Welcome to How to Stop Wanting Him Back, a podcast on not just getting over your ex, but into yourself. I'm Claire, the Heartbreak Coach. Let's make what feels impossible possible. Hello, my loves. I hope that you are all doing so well and are zen as fuck during this fabulous time in our lives. I am here with my bestie, Jamie McEwen, aka at Whole Life Gems. She is always my little sidekick. Little. I don't mean to call you little as in like you're a small person (laughs) intellectually. (laughs) But I love bringing Jamie on, as you guys well know, for listener Q&As because Jamie is a little bit softer and she really is the voice for all of you because, I mean, just even before I was kicking your ass a little bit around a dating story that she was sharing with me and she just laughs at me and she knows it's coming from a loving place. But I always love to have you guys hear her voice to know that I'm fully aware what y'all are thinking. I have thought all the thoughts the cues that I'm about to share with all of you, these amazing listener cues I uh, posted on Instagram and just said, you know, I know people are just like climbing the walls right now and heartbreak can feel extra painful during a time like this because we are forced to slow down. We are forced to be in the confines of our own home and we are alone with our minds and as fabulous as our minds can be because our minds can create anything we want. Our minds can heal anything we want. Our minds can also be the devil's playground when we are heartbroken. It can rehash the past, dwell over the past, obsess, resist the past, try to resist what is, make maybe not the smartest choices because we're not even thinking clearly. We're just thinking from a place of fear, from a place of pain. So I really wanted to do this episode and uh, support all of you who are out there and really feel like now their heartbreak is that much harder. But that, my loves, is just a thought. Your heartbreak doesn't have to be harder because of what's happening in the world. As you know, I touched on this on my episode two episodes ago, Heartbreak in Isolation. I'll put a link in the show notes there. It's really your mind. This could actually be the greatest opportunity for you to dig deeper, dive all in, not have the excuse of all these plans to go work out at the gym. I just realized I love going to the gym, but now I'm doing online workouts. I'm like, this actually saves me so much time because I live in LA half the time and I uh, just spend so much time sitting in traffic looking for a parking spot and I really am just taking advantage of what are the perks during this time. So if you ask your brain that question, whether you're heartbroken or not, or just single and feeling lonely and sad, right? You can always say, well, what, what's, what are the perks about this situation? How is this serving me? Jamie, would you like to say hello? (laughs) Hello, everyone. Maybe uh, nice to get a word in edgewise here. Mm, Well, Um, we know that I've been criticized for that. So (laughs) I'll just keep continuing my flaws, you guys. Um, Hi, everybody. Hi. Nice to connect with you virtually in this weird quarantine time. Um, I also feel like I'm becoming the official sidekick of this podcast, and I like it. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> I haven't heard any complaints from anybody, but I'll be sure to send yeah. them your way so if you my can name manage your mind. Shows up on a bad review. You people are done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you people are done. 
So I don't like reading the bad reviews because Claire put so much heart and energy and love into this podcast. And just please think before you write those things, if they're productive, I know most of you are sharing so much love and I love seeing that, but you know, careful with the, the criticism. Well, I really appreciate that, Jim. <laughs> Sorry. And as my you. coach, amazing coach Stacy Bayman always says, every review about you is neutral. It's a neutral circumstance. Those words are neutral. So when I'm feeding off of the positive reviews, it's just my thoughts about it. And when I'm reading off of the negative reviews, it's just my thoughts about them. I could find them super laughable. I mean, some of them I think can, there's a truth to it. It, the, The ones that trigger me the most, it's because I fear that that's true about me, right? But when we're triggered by our partners, there's something about them that you're not owning in yourself and we're projecting it onto them. Byron Katie talks about this in her book, Loving What Is. I talk about this in the first episode of this entire podcast. Um, I I chucked that book into my best friend's face when she (laughs) suggested that I read it. But everything that we're thinking, like um, Byron Katie, she does this thought tool called The Work. And it is mind-blowing. You guys have to get that book. We'll put a link in the show notes to that book, Byron Katie's Thought Tool, The Work. I use it on my clients, myself. It's so incredible, so eye-opening, and quite humbling. This book was presented to me when I was going through my rock bottom relationship and, you know, what Katie does. And I'm just, I'm kind of, you know, just shortening because obviously we've got questions to get to, but one of the things that you do in her thought tool is you turn statements around. So if I have the thought he shouldn't have cheated on me, we play around with that thought. And so one of the turnarounds is I shouldn't have cheated on him. And at that time when I had no tools under my belt and I had done no therapy and didn't even know what life coaching was Mm -hmm. nine years ago, I, that's when I wanted to chuck the book right back in my bestie's face. How could it be that I cheated on him? This makes absolutely no sense. I was so black and white and quick to throw the book away because I wasn't open to the wiggle room of how that could be true. Even if I didn't cheat on him in a physical way, I was totally loyal and monogamous as I have been in all of my relationships. And I now I'm like, I totally cheated on him. I was in a relationship with someone who I knew was trouble from the beginning. I felt it in my bones. I knew he was trouble for the few years that I knew him before I dated him. We were also living a kind of lifestyle that wasn't right for me, that I didn't really want to live for the rest of my life. It was a lifestyle that I chose, but I kind of always thought, oh, just for now, just for now. But really, he was always going to commit to that starving artist lifestyle. And um, even when he told me that he loved me for the first time, I couldn't say it back I was in such shock because shocker, narcissistic sociopaths, they say really strong things super early, super soon so that you get sucked in. And he said it to me like two weeks into us dating that he had been in love with me for, you know, the years that he had known me, the two, I don't know if we knew each other for like two or three years prior. And so I was totally sucked into that. But I also, something in me knew, like, I can't say that back because I don't feel that way yet. I had strong feelings for him. And then I remember a couple of weeks, it was bothering me that I didn't say it back to him because I was projecting, oh, he must be like waiting and he must feel so mm. hurt that I haven't told him I love you too back. And, and then finally one morning I just was like, say it, say it, say it. And I forced myself to say it, to make him feel good. Now, some of you listening would say, how is that cheating? 
it's just living a lie. It's not being my authentic self. And so try not to take these words too literally when we are turning them around. Another great example Katie uses in the book is, you know, if you're upset about someone who you love who smokes and, you know, the thought is I want him to stop smoking. And I could be botching this, so don't quote me exactly from the book, but it, it was this example around smoking. And then the turnaround would be, I want me to stop smoking. Well, if you're not, if you're not a smoker that you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me, mm. but there might be some habit that you know you have that you're not looking at about yourself and you're putting your energy into thinking, well, but their habit is worse, but you're never going to change the other person. You can only change yourself. And so all that energy trying to change someone else, especially with an addiction, good fucking luck. So I, I love this work. I love just opening our eyes. And for sure, when I want to immediately get defensive about my reviews and the, and the judgments that are made around things that I say, um, the ones that trigger me the most are the ones that I fear are the most true. And I investigate them and I do my work on them. And I still show the fuck up and talk about how expensive my coaching is. <laughs> Oh my God. I heard something really interesting, not to get off on a tangent, but. But that's what we do. Yep. Here we go. Um, I was listening to another a podcast and um, actually Patty Stanger, the millionaire matchmaker. Matchmaker. Love her. Oh my God. I saw her once in real life. It was one of my favorite celebrity sightings. I got so starstruck. But she said something so interesting that made me think of you. She said, you know, money and love are not that different in the way we show up for them and the energy that they hold. Thank you. Yeah. So. Um, All about self-value. So when you bring that up about the value you have for yourself as a coach and the money and what you charge and what you're worth, like that is very tied into what you think you're worth in love. And it's a really good lesson. And that's how it all comes together. So 100%. And that's why I have a million dollar man. I mean, no, I'm not talking about his financial situation. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I just feel like he's like million dollar level of a partner because my value is like million dollars in myself. And I really don't think a year, if we had met a year earlier, I was still on this like turning point around my value in money. And I had to like really grow up in a lot of ways around my finances because I was so used to that struggling artist. So that's why I always talk about it. But I also do think it's important to talk about the value of coaching because it's my podcast and I'm a coach. So obviously I'm going to own my value in it and talk about selling coaching because you guys will also notice that I don't have advertisements. I pay for this podcast to get produced and it ain't cheap, but Daniel, if you're listening, you are so worth it. Shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. (laughs) So yeah. And I, I don't say that to fling it in people's faces. Obviously I'm all about free service, free content, free value. Hence why great segue into our questions. I love answering listener questions. You will just have to Venmo me $5,000 <laughs> after I answer them. Oh, God. Glad we got that covered. Okay. <laughs> y'all. I'm not from the South, but my family now lives in the South. So I get, I get the mm, y'all. Pass. I love a y'all. I, love I get y'all. the y'all pass. So the first question comes from a guy, a gay guy. And I loved the question and I'm horrified because I did not keep the message or I'm not sure if he took it away, but 
who's going to know who it is. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's possible to delete your own sent messages in Instagram. So I'm going, I'm guessing I deleted his by mistake, but ultimately he listens to the podcast, which I am so excited about. And he says he's been doing a lot of work around his heartbreak over someone who he was just seeing casually after a real heartbreak. And then he grew to really like this guy and they were hitting it off. And then essentially And if he's listening, I hope I'm getting these details right. But ultimately, he disappeared. And I believe that they were seeing each other for three months. It was blissful. It was amazing. It was awesome. And he said, I'm doing all the things. I'm listening to your podcast. I'm doing the work. And I really believe in the work. And I'm committed to it. But you know what? At the end of the day, I guess I just don't really believe that it's done. So how can I heal when I'm believing that it's not over. And I think that this is an excellent question. I have thoughts. Yeah, I do that all the time. So I really want to hear your thoughts. I mean, I've had like crushes or friendships that I wanted to turn into more. And when they weren't, I would just like hang on forever and ever and ever. And just like kept looking for signs that it was, I'm like, I don't believe that this isn't the right person for me because I saw a sign that it was, I'm like, Oh my God, I drive myself crazy (laughs) doing it. I, I mean, I will let that drag on forever. So it's really hard when you like truly believe there's a chance, you know, and, uh, how do you convince yourself that it's, Like, how do you do it? So my first thought is, why would you want to get back together with someone who completely fell off the face of the earth? Why would you be hanging on to this hope that it would work out when the person literally fell off the face of the earth? I'm just curious about that. And I would love for you to investigate that. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb is that you're holding on to what was. And you also said in your message, I actually do remember the message pretty well. You said you guys went pretty fast, pretty soon. Every time you go so fast, so soon, you're not really getting to know the person at a healthy pace. Now, I feel like here I am six months into my relationship. He lives two hours away. I'm now going to be moving there. And we really only get to see each other about 50% of the time, but we certainly weren't seeing each other as much as we're seeing each other now. And I'm moving there. I'm making a big decision. Like what is too fast too soon, I guess is my Mm -hmm. point, right? It, It feels really right for me in my bones and there are no guarantees, but he and I just very much seem like we're on the same page and we've had really serious talks about the future. And I got really clear in the beginning about what it is that I was looking for. And he made it very clear what he wanted. And we had to figure out because his plans for the future were a little bit out of alignment for my plans, but life throws you interesting curveballs, And I'll get into that a little bit more down the road. But Really making sure, I guess, whether it is this person again or for anyone listening who is looking for love, like really going in eyes wide open. Also, you went in as a rebound, right? So you weren't even planning on it to be anything intense and serious. And so it happened and you're not at fault there at all, but really reflect back and look at, well, you were just out for a good time. I'm curious, did he say the same? Were you like, I'm just rebounding here, dude. So let's just have fun. And then it did get intense and that wasn't what he was looking for. And so he didn't have the tools to explain that to you. And then he bounced. Obviously I don't know the ins and outs, but Looking back, right, you entered in just laid back and not looking for anything serious. I'm I, I'm guessing that you 
communicated that to him. And now here you are totally heartbroken. And this happens, right? It's how many times have people said, oh my gosh, I wasn't really looking for anything serious, but then I couldn't help myself, this person. And you also said this heartbreak is actually harder than the original heartbreak that I was mm. escaping with this guy with, which that feels like such a mind fuck, right? So I would just really investigate what is it about this person? The fact that he would just disappear. Why would you want to be holding on without any explanation? And what could he say? Really decide for yourself. If he does come back, what could he say that would be good enough that you could bring him back in and you would not be waiting for the other shoe to drop. So that's just the first point I really want to hit home on. Now, how many of you are listening who are just like, no, the person who I broke up with, he broke up in a really direct and fair way. And um, I'm still holding out hope. And, and, and that happened to me with a relationship that I got out of three years ago. Um, it was an overall pretty good relationship. I think now as time passes, more, now as time passes, I mean, I'm blissfully in love now, but as time passed and I reflected on this relationship, do you know who I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't as great, but it was probably one of the more healthy relationships that I had been in in a really long time, but he did the right things. He showed up at the house. He, you know, was very clear, very direct. He told me that I should not hold out hope that he knew that he'd given it thought. Mind you, he said like two weeks prior that we were talking about our wedding day. So that's why I was holding out hope. Um, and he was fired that day. And so I was just like, oh, he just, you know, was freaked out about his life. And I was holding on, holding on, holding on. And it just never serves. And so what I would say is you're saying, you know, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm doing all the things. I forget the other things that you said, but most importantly, you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, but what is the point of doing the work if you're holding on to someone who literally ghosted you? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for me, it, it might be a slightly different situation, but um, if I have a friendship that I want to turn into more and I'm like, keep looking for all the little signs, I'm like, oh, well, he said this or he did that. And, you know, I heard something that really helped me. And it was, if somebody likes you, you'll know. And if they don't, you'll be confused. And when I find myself like spending months and months being confused and like, what does this mean? Like, do I want him? Do I not? Da, da, da. Is this the right fit? The more I feel confused, the more I'm like, this is probably not productive or the right person. And I need to do the work to move on and, and let go of that belief or that attachment. Yeah. But even still, I, I would imagine I'm just thinking about him hearing you say that. I mean, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But when you're in the thick of it yeah, and of when course. you're in the longing, you're like, no, but you don't understand. I mean, how many times you guys, when I'm on a consultation or, you know, I, I talk to so many people about heartbreak. No, but Claire, this connection <laughs> was the next level. Like, I think that the connection that I have with my boyfriend is on a level intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all the things I am just like, ah, like sign me the fuck up. Yes. I will leave LA and go just be with you. You are the best man that's ever happened to me. But I can also say I have thought that with other people. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I've ever had this um, like the, all, all of it in one person before, but I know that even the relationship from three years ago, it's not as good as the one that I have now. But at that time, I thought this was the best connection that I've ever had. And mm -hmm. so every time we think, no, this is the best connection. Right. Like I can't even imagine if it didn't work out with my guy, but if it didn't work out with my guy, I would go be like, okay, then there has to be someone even better. Right. But right now for you, as you're listening, you're just like, but I still believe I'm still holding on. So what do I do? 
I, I hate to say this to you because I know it hurts to hear, but he's not here now. So I would commit to moving on in your life like he is not coming back. But if he was to come back, I would be extremely eyes wide open, lots of questions. I want to know, I would want to know if he has done healing work with someone, if he is showing up in a different way. I don't want to hear that like someone died or he freaked out or whatever. And he's done no kind of conscious healing around it to show you that he's going to show up differently. And maybe if you let this person go and you just decide, right? Like someone who's going to exit out of my life like that is not the kind of person that I ultimately want to be with. I don't know if you're someone who wants to start a family, but if you think about co-parenting with that person, or you think about a lifetime with that person where you lose loved ones, how are they, is that person going to support you? Are you going to be pushed away when he goes through crises? Like you've got to think about the bigger picture around all of this. And when you just decide and tell your brain, this is done, and I know you've been listening to the podcast, so your thoughts create your results. So if the result that you want is to be in a, in a healthy, amazing relationship on all the levels, think about that versus fitting him into that R line. Because your circumstance is that he left, he ghosted. And your thought is, I hope he comes back. I don't believe that it's over. Those are two similar thoughts, right? And so then the feeling is a longing and anxiety a little bit of fear because you're not sure, right? And then what are your actions? You show up and you think you're doing the healing work, but the healing work isn't working because you're still holding on to him. And so then the result is still heartbroken and holding on, right? But how do you want to feel about this person leaving you? And when you think about how you want to feel about this person leaving without any explanation after a very intense connection, and then you also think about the result of wanting to be with someone who who you want want to share that intense connection. I'm also speaking to you as if maybe you do want to have a lifetime partner. So those two things don't fall in line with each other, right? Him leaving you and then it's a circumstance. And then the result that you're wanting to create, and this is a separate thought model. I'm talking about Brooke Castillo's thought model. Someone reached out and I'm going to address her question. How do you do thought work? I talk about this in every episode. I get Brooke Castillo's book, Self-Coaching 101, plug your thoughts into models. Whatever result you want to create, you can create them with your mind. You can also listen to her podcast called The Life Coach School. She has hundreds of episodes. She even has a series right now on how to manage the corona epidemic right now. So like, use these tools. Also get that Byron Katie book I talked about before, Loving What Is. They literally spell out how you can use tools to manage your mind. But you've got in one model that he left, and I obviously just broke that down, and the result is you're still not over him. And then in a separate model, the result that you want is to be in a loving, committed relationship. And this is the tricky part. Your your vision for that is that person's face, (laughs) that person's body, that person's heart, that person's mind. But that person left. So you're arguing with reality. Byron Katie says this. I say this to you guys in every episode. When you argue with reality, you suffer. He left And what you want is a committed relationship. It's like a mathematical equation. They don't add up. And so right here, right now, he is not here. Do you want to just sit around and hold on and 
cross your fingers. I, I just hope, or, or maybe there is a part of you in your heart and you believe that he's coming back and you might circle back with me and be like, Hey bitch, you were wrong. <laughs> and I hope that I am, if that's the way it's supposed to turn out and that's what you want. But when you argue with reality, you suffer. So right here, right now in this moment, even if you do move on, you will also be a much better version of you when you are healed and moved on. If he's ever to return back, right? Because you guys were operating at a certain vibrational level that ultimately split the two of you up, but you might heal so much from this situation and become a totally more, a a, a much more up-leveled version of you that if, and, or when he circles back, you might be like, eh, meh, because you've just up-leveled yourself to this whole other place where you have a much higher level of worth, right? And which I hate to say it to you, but I'm also happy to say it to you. If you really want him back, question why, because he just literally cut you out and, and fell off the face of the earth with no explanation. I'm 99% sure that I'm getting that detail right, but like really and truly, and even if someone does it right, even my guy from three years ago, which really ultimately I didn't think was done so right because he was so intense about his feelings for me days before he broke up with me and he was very hot and cold with me and pushed and pulled. And when I put, when I gave him the space, then he wanted me closer. It was really such a mind fuck. And he was like, quote unquote, this nice nerdy guy on paper. <laughs> and I love how Jamie is laughing because she... She was with me during that time and really and truly just because he like was a, an Ivy leaguer with like his shit together and like came from a quote unquote nice family and all of that. It's like, why, why, why does that matter? Why does that make that person safer to love? It doesn't. And at the end of the day, when I reflect back on how I showed up in that relationship, I was not perfect. I made mistakes, but overall I gave so much of myself. I was so accepting. I was so understanding. I was so loving and open and willing to give so much only to have this person be like, nope. And in a very cold manner. And I'm just like, wow, that's who you are. Hell no. That is not who I want to spend the rest of my life with, like really and truly. And yeah, it's easier for me to say that now because I'm blissfully in love with someone who like off the charts, like so much more high quality. And he's someone who, if I like was walking down the street, I would be like, who, who, who is that man? I mean, he just does it for me on all the levels. And I was literally fitting a square peg into a round hole with that guy in the initial stages and really wasn't like, Ooh, this guy has like strong relationship potential either, but then it happened. And so really just checking yourself, what is so great about someone that would just cut you off like that? And are you ready to just disconnect and like really make a decision? Because a belief is a choice. Believing that he could come back is a choice. Or you could say, maybe he does. But in the meantime, I'm going to show up in my life and do these healing tools as if he is not coming. And I know that brain is sneaky and it's going to be stubborn and it's going to say, but he might, he might, he might. But what are you going to do with you? In the meantime, get out there. Think about the result of the ideal partner, not about him. And I'm guessing your ideal partner isn't going to just disappear after a really intense connection. Those are my thoughts on that. And we're 27 minutes in. Wow. Okay. What do you think? 
Um, the last thing I want to say about this is that sometimes I think we forget that just because we have a super intense connection with somebody and we feel those feelings of like love and attachment and just excitement doesn't mean that they're our soulmate or the right partner. And we, when we get that attachment feeling, we go into this like oxytocin induced like coma or like blur where we start to lose some of our good like objectivity and like kind of assessment skills. So I would say like take a step back and, and really look at it. And sometimes the greatest act of love you can do for yourself and another person is to realize that you're not right for each other, even if you feel a super intense connection towards them. Yeah. But if they also just bounce without explanation, like F that, I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it's not okay people. And I know that that's my thought about it, but also when people pull shit like that on you, it's extra hurtful, but you know, Claire, the heartbreak coach, the extra hurtful shit is the stuff that you can really fucking thrive from. But you can't just dabble in the work. You have to be like this person, right? Like, let's look at the facts. And how do I really want to think and feel about the facts? The facts are he bounced and you have no clue what happened after a very intense connection. How do you want to think and feel about that? What's the future version of you in your most ideal relationship? You have to think thoughts to get you in the result of that most ideal relationship. And I bet that guy is not sitting around hoping for someone who would bounce out of the blue with no explanation to come back into his life. You are worth so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Boom. Next question. What about staying no contact? This is a great mm-hmm. coronavirus mm-hmm. pandemic question. Mm-hmm. What about staying no contact? It's hard when you haven't found the one and everyone is on dating hiatus, which by the way, I'm going to stop right there. Not everyone is on dating hiatus. I am a firm believer that you can still FaceTime with people on the apps. Is it ideal? No, but do not believe and fall into this trap of, well, if I can't meet them in person, actually, Not only if you don't meet them in person, you are meeting guys who are willing to get on phone or girls getting on the phone to get to know you Mm -hmm. without any chance of fucking you at the end of the conversation. So I think that this is like, and I think back to when my boyfriend and I, because we matched in LA because he was down here on business, but we didn't meet for about three weeks later. And we didn't talk all the time. It wasn't one of those incessant, like texting all the time before we actually met. Um, but I, we were, he and I were talking about it. I'm like, I really think if this, if we connected before meeting, we would have gotten at least on the phone and I would have definitely had a glass of wine and gotten to know this person. So don't believe it's hard when you haven't found the one and everyone is on dating hiatus. You don't have to be on dating hiatus. I met someone online just before uh, Corona really took off and uh, we've been talking over text and are setting up a phone date. So yeah, we we can do it. And then she says, I'll I'll finish this, restate the sentence. It's hard when you haven't found the one and everyone is on dating hiatus because the state of, because of the state of the world, and it is extra hard to sit with the loneliness, how to keep resolve and stay no contact. So 100% loneliness. I know everyone is going through it, especially if you're single or you're heartbroken. And so go back to my episode, befriending the loneliness. We'll put that in the show notes. Loneliness is just a feeling, my loves, and thoughts create that feeling. Now, I know a lot of us are in the confines of our own spaces for a long period of time, and we are really supposed to social distance. So yeah, for sure, we are going to feel lonely, and it is 
an uncomfortable feeling, but loneliness isn't going to kill you. And you have opportunities for major growth here. What does loneliness look like? What does loneliness feel like? Where am I storing the loneliness in the body? What thoughts am I thinking about feeling that are creating the feeling of loneliness? What is loneliness? Like really get curious with it and be present with it. I know some of you listening are going to be like, boring, (laughs) but seriously, this is what I am talking about. You know, I've been popping off about this on Instagram and in my emails to my list and on the podcast Really and truly, you guys, this is the opportunity. If you are not someone who regularly practices mind management, I'm not even talking just about heartbreak in your dating lives. I download my thoughts almost every single day. Annoying shit grates at me. I've got personal stuff going on that I don't talk about, believe it or believe it not. I don't have (laughs) everything on blast about my life. And I have to manage my mind. I have to manage my emotions that have nothing to do with my love life. And So it is. So you know what? This coronavirus situation, the pandemic, I think it is easier for me than most people that I am talking to. I don't have to like put on this, you know, everything is okay hat for my clients. Like I really and truly also because I believe that I had the coronavirus in the beginning of January. No joke. I was the sickest I'd ever been in my life. I've shared this earlier on the podcast and I tested negative for the flu twice. So um, it was the worst I'd ever felt. And it went on for two weeks and I had just had food poisoning and then got on a plane and then it was like, boom, and I was out for two weeks. And I literally felt like I came back from a near-death experience. So I'm pretty convinced that's what it is. Jamie at Her Life Gems here, (laughs) amazing health expert and educator. She is nodding her head like, yeah, yeah 100%. So I, I'm uh, maybe I have a leg up, if you will, about feeling less fearful of getting it, but also there's no um, proof out there that you can't get it again. But at the end of the day, what can you do but surrender whatever feeling you are feeling, whether it's fear, whether it's loneliness, whether it's heartbreak, whether it's sadness, whether it's missing your family. I have clients who are missing their families and they can't be close with them. I definitely miss mine right now. And so what? I don't mean that to sound like an asshole, but okay, so you feel an extra bout of loneliness. You will survive. You will develop a stronger muscle to feel pain. And so then you say how to keep resolve and stay no contact. It's like someone trying to lose weight and saying, how do you not eat the cake with it sitting right in front of you? That's a pretty good analogy, right? Mm -hmm. You just don't eat the cake. You don't contact the person. And I would ask yourself, like literally just you tell your brain no, and you feel the urge and you feel the discomfort. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't reach out. (laughs) Really and truly, every single time I've reached out coming from a place of loneliness, which really means I need to connect with you in order for me to feel good and to feel comforted. Like there are so many people that you could reach out to. And if there aren't, hire a coach, hire a therapist. And I know we made jokes aside about me being expensive. If I am too expensive for you, go find someone. There are people at all different prices who are amazing outlets and go, let's clean up some shit. If you want to create more love in your life, both friends-wise, family-wise, lover-wise, right? You can do that with your mind, but you get to feel your lonely feelings. And I understand right now the brain wants to say, oop, this is going to get harder, but really and truly, A, you can get online and you can make connections with people. And there are lots of people right now who are wanting to connect. 
Or you can just sit there and feel your loneliness and feel the longing, which I actually think do that first, feel the pain first, feel the longing, feel the loneliness, breathe through it, cry through it, allow your body to process consciously what is coming up for you. And that will clear the space for you to show up and be ready to connect with someone who is the right person for you. But needing to reach out to that person for the no contact, you know, that you've committed to no contact is scratching an itch to just numb out and really give you something that you can totally give yourself. And that is the work. And finally, and then I'll let Jamie comment. I feel like you're, you're chomping at the bit to say something, you know, one thing to share. Okay. (laughs) I do. I will let you speak, but you know, people often say, well, because I have clients on no contact plans. Some are 30 days, some are 60 days, some are 90 days. It all depends on what their situation is and how long I think it should go for. And so whenever anybody says, but then what happens after the 30 days, then what do I get to contact him? You're losing the point of the exercise. We don't know where you're going to be mentally, emotionally, spiritually about you, about the relationship or about him or her. So that defeats the purpose. So even saying like, but also now it's extra hard because of everything that's happening in the world, your brain wants to catastrophize everything that's happening in the world and justify reaching back out for that to make you feel good. There are so many other ways that you can feel good. And again, I highly recommend for all of you go to Brooke Castillo's podcast, the life coach school podcast. She has created the thought model tool that I teach to all of you on this podcast that I guide my clients through that my coaches guide me through that I self coach myself on. And she has a series right now for people who are really going through it during this pandemic, but don't use this pandemic as an excuse for you to go back to old habits. And is it going to be extra painful? Maybe, but I think when you lean into that extra pain, and breathe through it and don't judge yourself for it and don't complain and don't resist and don't cover over. That is where the gold is going to be on the other side. And I can't tell you exactly what that's going to look like. You're only going to know for you because everybody has a different experience. Yes. So what I want to say is I completely agree with everything you said. And I went through a little exercise this week, kind of playing off that, that I think people could try. So we're at this point that we're recording, we're about a week into the social isolation. Yes. And I had Good a point to, yeah. So yeah. we're like a weekend now. And I had a really tough time. The first three days it was like from the first weekend, Friday to Sunday, I was feeling really intense, like loneliness and anxiety. And I was thinking of all the ways I could act on that to soothe myself, you know, and I could really see where that could go down some negative paths. And then, you know, I, then I noticed, um, like Monday I had a pretty good day, like four days in and I was feeling, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I don't live with anyone in this apartment. I would be crawling out of my skin if I had to like share this tiny space with someone. And I just stopped and laughed at myself. And I was like, Oh my God, I spent three days feeling so lonely and like wishing I had someone. And then the next day, super grateful that I was like living alone. I was like, okay, I need to just observe all my thoughts for a while because when you become the, this is like a meditation practice. You become the observer of your thoughts. You start to see where they're just thoughts and that we, we don't have to then, you know, put so much belief and importance on them and spiral them into like behaviors that we then don't like, and that we then regret. So, you know, just like take some time and and see where you're actually feeling grateful for some of this. Like I do like, yes, there are times I feel lonely and wish somebody was in my apartment with me. And there are times I'm like, thank God I'm not in this box with another human or I see my friends having their partner and their kids all together, like crammed in this house for weeks on end. And that also seems like it could have 
awful <laughs> potential. Right, but some of them out here are living with roommates and do have kids, so you also get to manage yourself, your mind around Completely. that, right? It's like, all, it's all whatever thoughts. your circumstance is, yes. right? Because I have clients who do have kids and are just like, oh my God, I have a job and I can't watch them simultaneously yes. and yeah. I can't date and I can't process this heartbreak, right? And it's just like, those are all neutral circumstances. Yeah. You sharing a tiny space with three roommates, it's a neutral circumstance. Yeah. How do you want to make the best of it? Maybe, again, third time. I mean, Byron Katie should be giving me uh, royalties. <laughs> but really, the Loving What Is um, book by Byron Katie, truly, if there is a roommate that is bugging the shit out of you, thought work the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. You are the change. They do not need to change. Asking them to wash the dishes or to turn down the music over and over again, and you know that they're not going to do it, isn't the answer to the problem. So really and truly, I say this with a big smile on my face. This is your opportunity to grow and dig deep with whatever it is and find appreciation for whatever your current living circumstance is right now, whatever your current relationship Mm -hmm. status is right now. Like we are all supposed to be exactly where we're supposed to be. I'm a little bit nervous because I live in LA and my boyfriend's in Santa Barbara and I'm like, what if they shut down the highway? (laughs) And like, so, you know, but if that was the case, I either figure it out and get a place up there or I have to move through pain of not seeing the person. And then I would do the work of, well, I'm glad that I have someone to miss right now. But someone Mm -hmm. listening is like, I don't have anyone to miss right now. Right. So it's everyone's going through their own unique journey. So you get to manage your mind through your own unique journey. Yeah. I would say sit with the negative feelings, sit with the positive feelings, like feel the gratitude for the things that you do have, you know, sit with the loneliness, but I, you know, just don't act on either. Let them balance each other out and, you know, just... Hang in there. We're all in those feelings come from thoughts always. Mm -hmm. So do you want to keep attaching to those thoughts or do you want to shift them so that you can feel better? Stop waiting for other people and outside circumstances to change. Okay. Wondering when I'm leaning into my triggers too hard and indulging my victim story. This is leading me to feel shame when I'm on the other side of the trigger. Maybe I'm allowing them too easily meaning the triggers, I'm guessing. Not often, and I'm learning all of the above as part of the process, but how do you compartmentalize when to give yourself unconditional love or forgiveness through the triggers versus when to be tougher on yourself for not committing to thought work properly during them? I think this is an excellent question. When do you boss a trigger and when do you allow it? I think that this is excellent. I know you have thoughts. I just have a thought on the first part of the question, which is like, when do you give yourself unconditional love versus when do you, what was it? Um, Unconditional or forgiveness through the triggers versus when do you be tougher on yourself? Yeah. My only comment is those things are not mutually exclusive. You should give yourself unconditional love a hundred percent of the time, whether you are very mad. Like me. (laughs) <laughs> always. She's looking at me. Like <laughs> You can always, always give yourself unconditional love, no matter what your thoughts, beliefs, or actions are. And there's always opportunity to be tougher on yourself or to show up and do the work. But I don't think you ever stop giving yourself unconditional love, even if you did something that you consider bad, quote unquote, or like the wrong action. That's all I want to say is always give yourself unconditional love. Always give yourself unconditional love. I meant like me, meaning also like in terms of the tough part, I I think I'm pretty unconditional in the love for myself, but I'm also tough on myself. And I see being tough on myself as unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Tough for me is... 
Um, like I'm, I'm just thinking about unconditional love and triggers, like triggers have come up for me in my relationship. Yes. Healthiest relationship, but because it's the healthiest relationship of my life at 39 years old and having not said, I love you for nine years, that has brought up moments of total fear for me, me moving to another city and leaving a place that I absolutely fucking love with so many friends and so much support and a dry bar and an equinox. (laughs) There, there was no dry bar and equinox shout out to Santa Barbara. We need those two ASAP. Um, and I have no friends there and I make jokes to him about like, you're my boyfriend and all my friends in one (laughs) up here. And it's just like, I'm all in. And there are moments of, Oh my God, what am I doing? Is this really going to last? How long have we really known each other? He could decide that I'm not the person for him. You know, all those things, because I haven't had relationships work out in all that time. And so there have been triggers that I have, first of all, when you are triggered, always pause, always, always, always pause. And I figure out, is this something that he said or did that's making me feel this way? Or is my brain going on a field day? And I, it has nothing to do with him. I mean, every trigger has nothing to do with the other person and it has to do with yourself. But, and I really mean that because people might say, but what if your boyfriend cheated on you? Then that's a trigger. Yeah, it's a trigger, but it's the way my brain reacted. When my, you know, narcissistic ex cheated on me nine years ago, I had no tools. I literally, I mean, I think I would still be pretty sick to my stomach if my boyfriend today cheated on me. But my point is, I I just know that I would move through him cheating on me in a totally different way because I love the fuck out of myself now. And I had no love for myself back then that I was willing to keep taking this person back over and over and over again because I wanted him to fill my cup. And I was so triggered and I was just in like such an awful place and everything he said or did or didn't do, I was triggered and I was reacting and I couldn't trust him. And I was like physically losing it. Right. Whereas now if I'm triggered based on usually a fear that has nothing to do with him and every everything to do with me. There are some that I move through and I pause and I breathe through and it's always with unconditional love. And then there are others that it's just like, I get to address that to him. Hey, you said this, or I had this dream and it felt really real. (laughs) (laughs) That might've happened a couple of weeks ago (laughs) while, while he was lying next to me, his arms were wrapped around me and I had a dream that he cheated on me. And I was like, And it's not something that is constantly on my brain, but it made sense to me because now we're taking the relationship to the next level. And now I'm stepping into this, another level of serious with somebody that I've never done. And so my brain is like, well, okay, all let's look for one way that, you know, that it would never work out. And for me, it, Mm. it, it is cheating, especially because he and I are so connected and vulnerable with each other that, you know, I do understand how cheating can happen if you're asleep at the wheel in the relationship and you realize that you've both been a little bit checked out or distracted with kids or financial stresses or job stresses. But he and I are so keyed in with each other that I'm like, 100%, you'd be gonzo. <laughs> and he was like, that's great news because I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, good. But I know that I just went on a little tangent there. But my point is, is right, like triggers can come up for me and I feel like, but, but I also don't act on them. Like I had this dream. It means that you must be because my dreams are psychic, right? It's like, 
no, okay, let's pause and let's really understand where this is coming from and how can I effectively communicate that? And I actually see that as being tougher on myself because mm-hmm. I don't get to say you, this, you, that, and right. you're going to do the same thing to me. And you, this might be totally out of context for you who wrote this, um, my lovely, uh, Instagram follower listener who wrote this message, but I'm just trying to put some context into how do you move through a trigger and how do you just get tougher on yourself? But other times, like there are times, especially because he has such a, this is another great example. He is such a full life and I have my own full life, but especially when we were newly kind of falling in love, if I didn't hear from him for periods of time, now I'm like, Oh my God, that's so nice. If I hear from him, I don't really care. (laughs) I do care, but I mean, I don't care if I don't hear from him for periods of time. Whereas in the beginning, I'm like, Oh, this is the part where he's going to drop off. But what did I do? I managed my fucking mind around it and didn't go, Oh, okay. Yeah. You didn't respond for like six hours. So, and that, that's where it's like, kick yourself in the ass and don't be a bitch out of your own beliefs about times that the person should be getting back to you because your ex didn't respond for six hours. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense here as I'm talking about? I mean, I don't know if we're entirely answering her question, but well, how do you know? And so how do you know, um, when do you boss a trigger Mm -hmm. and when do you allow it? I think you always allow the trigger. I think bossing it is pausing and deciding what am I thinking right now? And is this something I want to address with my person? And can I do it as a grown ass adult and be vulnerable and say, this thing happened, or you said this, and it made me think this. And that person may or may not receive it in a positive way, right? Or in a loving way, or in, and or your perception might not be that he or she held a safe space for you to bring it up. And that's a whole other ball of wax, right? But I think bossing a trigger is pausing and then really evaluating what is this trigger about? And do you work it out on your own? Which for me, perfect example was like, he took a long time to respond to things and I'd be like, where'd he go? And long time is my own thought about it, right? And it's so funny too, because now... Now that I've like totally let that shit go, I hear from him so much more. So again, when we heal the need and when we decide the meaning out of hearing from someone in a certain amount of time, what does that really mean for you then? And you really let that go and not just say you're letting it go, but let it go. The person just shows up in a totally different way. It's crazy. So that to me is what's bossing, being a boss of a trigger, but yeah, unconditional love, no matter what. But then if it is the same recurring thought, like, let's say I was always thinking he's cheating on me all the time. Like, I don't really ever have that thought. There've been a couple of times I've thought that and felt that fear over the course of a six month relationship, which to me actually shows how much I've healed because (laughs) I used to be in other relationships where I was always waiting for that shoe to drop because of the situation I was in nine years ago. And if I was constantly living in perpetual fear, being like, I just feel like he's, especially because he lives, you know, 80 miles away, right? Like he would have plenty of opportunities. I just think online you can Mm -hmm. get away with so much, you know, I think that there's different layers of cheating. If you're communicating with people online, when you're in a monogamous relationship and all of that shit, it's like, you know, he could be doing all of those things, right? If if my brain was constantly thinking he could be cheating on me, he could be inappropriate with people. He could be doing all these things that it's either break up with him. If you really believe that that's true, find some hardcore evidence. If you really believe that that's true or really get tough on yourself, like knock it off. If you weren't thinking this thought, what else would you be thinking? You're the person who gets to be in the relationship 
and you get to choose what you want to focus on. And so I do think it's sort of like if, the, if it's a recurring thought that yeah. is constantly making you feel triggered, it's like snap out of it. Okay. What else do you want to think? You either get to be in this relationship and torture yourself with that thought or you get to be in this relationship and choose, like I choose in every bone in my body to believe that this person is faithful to me and loves me and wants to be with me. And I mean, he's been through his own stuff too. And I feel like we're bonded in a very beautiful way. And so I I just feel like I truly know who this person is. And I feel like he truly knows who I am. And so I go back to that. However, if you're in this relationship and a guy is acting shady as fuck Mm -hmm. and he's constantly hiding his phone and screens from you and being shady and you don't know where he is and you can't find him when you do need him and you just know that his answers are constantly changing and you're triggered, then that's a different story. So it's kind of hard. That's why I think here we go full circle. And this is the last question. And we're going to do a two, we're going to do a two-parter. We'll do another episode. This is why coaching is so important. I, I have a client where it's like, is this something that I want to feel upset about right now? And that I want to address with him and tell him I'm not happy. Or is this something that I can really shift my mind around? Is this something that I can change on? And that for me, coaching has been the game changer because I love your question, but it's also, it's so general and there's so many different circumstances. So I just inserted myself into the examples, into an example of how I would interpret that. But really and truly, um, look again, to Jamie's point, always unconditionally love yourself, but sometimes you do need to just really fall apart and love yourself and be gentle with yourself. But the coach me over here says you probably need to toughen up majority of the time and say, Mm -hmm. like, when am I finally ready to let go of this story? But we can't control triggers not coming anymore, right? Wouldn't it be so great if we could do that? (laughs) So they're going to come. So always love yourself, but just make sure you're not reacting in the trigger on the person that your brain believes is causing that. Yeah. It's like, are your triggers grounded in reality? Like you have an an instinct or evidence that somebody's actually doing something or are they just grounded in an unhealed part of yourself? And and that's where you really need to look and, and see. And, you know, the more you allow yourself to get triggered by things that may not even be there, uh, the more you're going to create drama and it's a more lack of accountability. So I think, you know, you do want to lean on, like she said, bossing your triggers because it's just going to lead to a much more, much happier relationship and a happier you. Uh, Otherwise you're going to be constantly reacting and fighting and, you know, struggling. Love it. Love you guys. We're going to do a two-parter. You're welcome. Mm. So keep hanging in there. Remember, I hear you guys. I know shit ain't fun right now. I'm not saying this is the most ideal circumstance. I'm just saying we don't have control. So we do have control on how we want to perceive the situation. So I love you. I am here for you. I support you. I love these questions, but really and truly, if you are heartbroken, if you are single, this could be the time that you totally rewire you on the inside so that you are ready when the world reopens again to show up as a healed badass boss, babe, or a single and like totally ready and totally clear version of yourself to call in that right person. This is the time to do this work. You have no excuse (laughs) until next time, my loves. Oh, Jamie, whole life gems, W H O L E L I F E J E M S. Yes. Jamie is an incredible health educator. She has taught me so much. My favorite episode with her is what to eat on a broken heart. 
and you can find her at wholelifegems.com. Mm-hmm. Tell them about what you are in the midst of creating. Yep. I'm launching a kitchen cleanout program. It's my first online education program. It's going to walk you through uh, really making over your kitchen to support your health. It's not about a dietary theory or what you should eat or shouldn't eat. It's about the universal things that can really support you um, in your home to be healthier, to feel better, and to achieve all those health goals and to really support our planet. Obviously, we all need it right now. We all need it. No time like the present to also be building our immune systems and putting the right shit into our bodies so that we do not take on this horse shite, as my dad would say. All right, my loves. Until next time for part two of Heartbreak Cues During... COVID. Dun, dun, dun. We're in a horror movie. No, we're not. That's just a thought. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, love. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down and would like to deepen this work with me as your coach, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com forward slash work dash with dash me and apply for my six month one-on-one coaching program where we'll not only heal your heart, but take your entire life to the next level. I can't wait to read your application.